Cameron, welcome to Touchline from Casper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Cas. Um, nice chatting to you again. Uh, nice not having you in studio too. Hopefully you're enjoying your holiday. I'm definitely enjoying my holiday. You know what? How lucky it is to be 600 kilometers away from you. I must say, Christmas has come early, so I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, it's nice chatting to you again. Definitely is. <laughs> in studio today, we've got a very special guest with us in uh, Francois Kutze. Francois played rugby for, for Toti, SA Legends, um, Cape Town 10s. Francois, I heard that you actually coaching now in Cape Town as well. And then Francois is an essay actor um, as well as a radio host. Welcome, Francois. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Nice to have you. Casper, yeah, I, I used to coach in Cape Town, not coaching anymore. I just, it just ah. it came to a, a stop, an abrupt ah. stop. Gus, and, and just to correct you as well, I used to play rugby as well. Uh, that's why I prefer going the acting route. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I found acting much better. <laughs> And easier on the body, obviously. <laughs> I did say he played for Toti, huh? Yeah, but you know where I learned my acting skills from, hey? <laughs> let's just leave it there. Yeah, let's leave it there. So, Francois, on, on that point, tell us a bit about your, your acting career. Where did it start? How did it come about? Casper, um... um, at school in Kiswach here in Toti, I started, well, I did drama with Yifra uh, Kukumu and all that, so it was quite fun. And uh, I, f I found a way of, of it's, a, it's an outing, if you know what I'm saying. Yes. It's just to live out someone else's shoes for that metaphorical speaking. So after school, that's what I wanted to go study. But then I thought, you know what? It's either playing sports for life, because I had a very big passion for rugby, and then or acting go study. So I literally went the route of find this, the quickest solution to get in rugby for, well, farther than I could get, whatever. So, started studying acting as a, what do you call it, as a, as a this is a bi subject, while playing yeah. rugby for uh, Dickies. And the first year, my father said to me, listen, you've got a choice. You either play rugby or you study. <laughs> so I said, you know what, uh, okay, I want to play rugby. So I came back to Durban, and that's why I started with Collegians, played under Swayze de Brain. He was the, the head coach then. Yes. Um, then I got an opportunity to go to the Sharks as a, as a training squad. And from yes. there, it was myself, Aubrey Keys, and all those youngsters coming up. And I just never got game time because it was all the quotas that came in, the quota, what the quotas that came in for, for the new laws and stuff. So I just couldn't get yes. game time at all. So I decided, let's go to the UK. And I went there for four seasons, played there under Sudbury, under Wasps for a half a season, and also Saracens half a season. Um, and then just I got the opportunity to come back to South Africa to do trials for, for the Falker in East, uh, West Lawrence Fall. Eastern Transvaal, I can't speak English now. Sorry, from Cape Town, I can't speak English anymore. I'm so used to, to talking over comments. Um, so as I got back, I went to the training, uh, the, the, the training camp. We played a few games against Griekwas. We played a game here in Border. And on my third game, I got hijacked and shot through both arms. So my rugby career basically came to an abrupt end. Um, moved back to okay. Durban after that. And a friend of mine who studied with me at Tickies, he was an, on set here with Spud that they were shooting at Michael House. Yes. And uh, he phoned me and said, listen, are you still in the acting? I said, I never pursued acting. So he said, well, they need bodies. Just come in on set and come play with us. So I did that. And as I walked on set, I was like, but this is where I want to be. 
this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an actor or just in the industry. Um, so the opportunity came up to move to Cape Town. So I moved to Cape Town. And I thought, now I'm in a mecca of acting. I mean, this is where everything can happen for you. So I just started. I got an agent. I got some training done again. And that's where it started. And that was like 11, 10 years ago. 10 years in the industry. 10 years in the industry now, yeah. Good guy. Mark, I can see you have a question. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I've always got, always I've got, always a, question. got a question. Um, no, Francois, 100%. And, and, you know, he spoke quite a bit about his playing days as as a, as an avid rugby player. And obviously yes. the the privileged of playing overseas in that where many of the South Africans now go overseas mm. for, for quite a bit of bit of money. Ultimately, you came back. Um, you did start playing again after that, obviously, while your acting was, was going. And obviously, before you went to Cape Town, yeah, from yeah. an acting point of view, you ended up playing for Memphis Well, you prior to that, you started the Wanderers Rugby Club. Um, so you've, you've basically done the full circle from a, from a schoolboy to amateur to semi-professional um, and ultimately ending up in not playing rugby but exactly. going the acting route. But having said that, and, and sorry, I'm going rugby side quickly, Gus. Um, yes. Part of, and we'll come back to your acting, but part of your rugby, your rugby career, if you want wants to call it that, you are still actively involved in playing tens and that. I know, I think it was about three weeks ago or so, the George tens um, came about and you couldn't you couldn't make that. That's Not right, because yeah. you were shot in the arm or anything <laughs> like that or acting, <laughs> but um, it was your daughter's birthday, I think it was. Correct. Which a uh, great father, well done. Um, and then you opted out um, not to go to the tens. But how often do you get involved in that? Because obviously we know you, you're part of the, uh, you've played in the, in the SA Legends as well. Do you try and do this as often as possible and obviously keep that camaraderie with the rugby players? Yeah, no, Mark, the thing is, it, it's, it's my way of giving back to what rugby gave me. I mean, as a, as a rugby player, through my life, rugby was my life at one stage, especially when I was in Toti. I mean, it, it, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, or let's start off Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday, whatever. And so Friday's game time, Saturday's game time. I think that's time. why you guys made a mistake because you train, <laughs> you train Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, and normally you so. Luckily, you weren't a forward. You would have you get your life wrong. So, yeah, it's, 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 so it was, was always that, that part of my life that mm. I just could not let go. And when we moved out of Cape Town, I was lucky enough to get invited to the, the SA Legends. Uh, through Krakis Iman and also uh, Konrad Breitenbach. Yeah. And that is our way of giving back to the community. Right. So we get invited a lot to, to uh, all boys games, like like the Paul boys, their festivals and all that. And it, it's nice to put up a show for the young, yeah. the uh, young ones. Look, it's, it's, always, it's always hard. Don't make a mistake. It's still, it's old men, but they still play. I mean, Gordon Krieger folded me like an envelope. Well, same as in but, your playing career. Yeah, so I know. It's nothing new. <laughs> but... <laughs> So it's 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 literally still hard, but it's yeah. still if you if you walk off the field and you see that little boy standing next to the field yeah, and the eyes are like it. so big, like mm. wow, th these guys can still play. You give them a little bit of hope. So especially the little kid who does not have any motivation sits next to the field. He see or his father knows the guy, so mm. he's got this interest now because his father knows Krakis, his father knows Cornell, his father knows this, his father knows that, and now you walk on the field and he's like, but you're also wearing that green and gold jersey, so he's like, what? It, it, it's awesome. I want to be there. So that little bit of motivation drives me to do what I'm doing now. So for me, playing for the SL Legends and doing all this golf days, especially, mm. it's, it's literally, it's, 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 um, it's fundraisers, mm. which is great. So you're giving back to the little bit of hope. And, and also seeing the, the difference that the Legends can make in people's lives is awesome. Yeah. So I will, 
Yeah, uh, I've got an announcement, but I'll do that later. So just on <laughs> just on that, from a legend's point of view, uh, is it on invite only? Just for on our invite listeners? only, yeah. Okay. So obviously, you as a as a non-professional rugby player, um, that's the end of because most of these professional rugby players at the end of their careers, when they don't really play anymore, they mm-hmm. become legends, mm-hmm. and they tour all over the world and whatever. Right? And the, depends yeah, on where yeah. they go and play. What is it like, and, and for the aspirant youngsters going later on that they might want to play then get invited, for you that has never played for the Springboks or for the Sharks or wherever, mm-hmm. now, you spoke about Cornel Krieger, he was a Springbok captain. Yeah, yeah. What is it like putting on a jersey and playing a game with players like that? Look, it's unbelievable, Mark. It's literally, you sit in the changing room, and uh, Ian Mack is the coach, so you'll sit in the changing room and... and He'll walk up and he'll do his speech, like a literally professional speech. And you think to yourself, why am I here? What have I done right in my career to, to end up here? And then you look around you, like I said now, you see a Korne Krieger, you see a André Schiemann, you see a Konrad Breitenbach, you see um, Louis Kuhn, you see all these guys sitting next to you. And you know these guys wore the green and gold at one stage. It's, it's immensely, you're overwhelmed, number one, because you think you're way out of your league. And the moment these guys start talking to you, especially on the field, they make you part of it. And now there's, there's one incident I'll never forget. And that, that's why I mentioned Kunda one time. I was playing center and we played, a, a, who was it? It was some derby that we played in, in, in Friedendal. And Louis Kun came to me and said, listen, we're going to do this and this and this move. Do you know this move? And I thought to myself, but listen, yeah, this guy here, Mark Cameron, taught me this move. So I know exactly what is an S1 <laughs> loop or something like that. Like, What? How do you guys know our moves? <laughs> so, you know, it, it's small things like yeah, that. And no, it's just that the way they make you feel and make you part of the, the just, team. Just tell me on that specific day you actually got it right. I did get it right. <laughs> and I scored under the balls. Also, that's probably the only thing Mark taught you. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there's one or two other ones, but it, it, definitely the drop a ball that Mark got that to the, to the notch. He got that great. I definitely didn't teach him how to act. So, in any case. But no, that's nice. And, and just to move back to back to the acting part um, so obviously you you were even a, a detective on Sievendalan so many a listener <laughs> would obviously recognize you um, what do you prefer TV stage Mark it, it, it's different in every aspect I mean even in your work in your works environment it's there's different aspects of a job that's that's nice and there's different that's that's hard now stage is awesome because it's, it's, it's adrenaline for an hour and a half because you know that script off by heart. There's no running around or, or listening to a cut here, we want to redo the stake. No, 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 you've got to go off the fly. So the moment someone on stage makes one mistake, you've got to play it, and that's where improv comes in. And so I like that. I mean, the rush of the audience sitting there, and it's like, yeah, they, they've got all this... They don't know what's going on. You on stage know because it happened. We did a show in Stellenbosch the one time. It's called Murder uh, Mystery. So it's, I played two characters on it. I played a younger version and then I played an old Inspector Root. And at the end of this whole thing, the main star of the, the, the main character of the play got his words totally mixed up. He started saying my lines. Oh, dear. Then I started playing his lines back at him. <laughs> So up to the point where he started, the, the realization, his eyes came up, like, okay, whoa, now we are making a mistake. And I said, yeah, so we just carried on and we just swapped it. It's like, and he literally improved the whole thing by saying, you see, that's what I would have done. I was an inspector mm. and I just played along. So you have to make it work. You know, Cass, if you, if you listen to this now, obviously we're a rugby show. So if, if yes. we bring it back to rugby, 
Isn't that life in general? You plan certain things, there's some sort of a curveball and you have to react. So what Francois said now, obviously the change in roles, yes. it's the same as in a rugby game. In a rugby game, yes. coaches have specific plans. You, you practice that week in and week out. But on the day, I know certain coaches are different. You can't deviate from game plans and so on and so forth. But let's say you have a game where after your second or third phase, the 10 needs to take it up or the 12 has to yes. run off your shoulder or whatever the case might be. Now, in that specific game, that doesn't work anymore. And whoever sees there's a gap opening and that guy takes the gap. So the other people have to react to get there. So that's a change of your script. Exactly. That's a change yeah. of everything. So it just shows yes. you, it doesn't matter whether it's sport or whether it's your general life or whatever, those basic things stay the same. But Mark, that is what, what, what makes good actor or a good rugby player or a good tennis player is the person that can actually change the game plan on the spot within a second and and make it work for everybody around him. And, and, and I think that is where the difference comes in between the good actors and I don't want to call them bad actors, but the average actors and the, the good rugby players and the average rugby players. Well, I'm just... I'm the, just ones, the ones that can actually make it work. Yeah, I'm just glad that Francois ended up playing for Toti because he would never have been able to do that um, in the acting sphere if he didn't play for us, where we actually taught him how to change <laughs> things. But Mark, I think then we need to talk about your role, huh? Yeah, well, that was the assistant coaches. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, and then uh, Francois from... Obviously, you've been all over the world as well in, in, in certain roles that you participated in, and I don't know what you call it in the acting in the acting sphere, but where to from now? Is there something on the horizon, something that our listeners can actually now yeah. say, listen, this guy is actually a quite important guy? With, um, we did a, a movie called Pelslooper, um, uh, The Skinwalker, and it was literally no one in the South African market wanted it. That, that's our, I don't know why, because it, it just it wasn't appealing to them, let's say that. So I spoke to the director and producer, Martijn. He went and they actually gave it over to Nonviolent Film Festival in, um, where is they? They are in Greece. So they wanted to start their own, like a Netflix channel. And they accepted Pelstober. Pelstober is, is three hours long. It's two parts. So it's one and a half, one and a half hours. Um, Send it through. We won multiple awards. We won Best Cinematography, Best New Film, Best Actress. I got a nomination for, for Best Actor. Um, we got Best Sound Script. So it, it literally made a mock. Um, and the, the organizer of there was Dario Torfu and um, Bruno. And Bruno phoned me and he said to me, listen here, Francois, uh, I want to use you in my film. We can't do it now because of COVID. But the moment COVID's out in 2022, half in June, I want you in London one of my international films. It's, it's, it's done, written, so I've got the script. So I'm just waiting now for the COVID thing to disappear so I can go travel and they can start production. So let's go to COVID quickly. And obviously we're in rugby and sport for that matter. Um, obviously with the rugby guys, when they go wherever, they need to test often. They need to go into their bubbles. Mm -hmm. um, within the acting industry, does it work similar? Because yeah, obviously no, it does. you guys interlink quite a bit. No, it does. I mean, I've just finished a movie now, an Afrikaans movie called Kedinga van a Kind. Uh, where you uh, you sign an affidavit so they, they contact you, say about a month before you get the, or start production or start shooting, and they say to you, you're not allowed in any other thing. So you literally sign off your life for a month where you can't do anything. You put yourself in a bubble in, a bubble. in your home environment. Okay. So you, okay. you take the risk. So if you pick up COVID, you lose everything. And you know right now in COVID, it's so hard to get an acting job anyway. So you literally grab onto that. And you say to everybody, listen here, month, um, stay away. 
So you yeah. literally put yourself in your house bubble with your family and friends. And it's still hard. I mean, you still need to go to a shop. Mm. And you can pick it up anyway. Yeah, um, but they do understand that as well. Um, and that happened on set. So it, it's, it, it's a hard lockdown for yourself, basically, just to put that down. It's worthwhile. I mean, you guys are like our professional sports people. You are professionals in your own right in that specific yeah, yeah. thing. And then just, that, uh, I don't know, I, I speak a lot like normal, but uh, just want to ask you this question. Obviously, from an from a acting point of view, yet again, um, there's a lot of, as you said, you need to learn your scripts and that. So there's a lot of studying going on. And in your live productions, obviously, you need to adapt as it goes. But in the other ones, similar to what we do sometimes, you can cut and you can record yeah. again or whatever. How much learning is there in that? Because obviously when you do a show and it's recorded, you have to know it. It's not as if you can still read your script. Yeah, you need true. to study and you, I mean, your timing is one thing, but to know your words in that. Well, it all depends on, on who's the producer. Um, just to put you through it, stage work is full script, So, but you can improv. Like I said, the moment something goes wrong, you've got a stage manager screaming next to the curtains if you forget a word or a line. Uh, so you just, can see. you move yourself to the curtains a little bit yeah. and you're like, and she goes, okay, that was it. Thank you very much. And you yeah, go on track. Okay. But when you work on soaps, like C.M. Lawn and St. Whistler that I worked on, is you have to know it line by word by line by word. So you have to know exactly what comes in order. You can't deviate from it. So if we talk in normal life, you say, oh, that's a nice pencil. Where in, in, in a soapy side, you say, oh, but that is a very nice pencil. You can't change that script because it's already done in the little subtitles they've got in. So that's very hard. So that's a lot, a lot of constant learning, like a parrot, over and over and over. Some people grasp it. I'm, yeah, I need to learn my words for words. And, but then if you work on a series or a movie, which is nice, that's where you can stop and cut. And then also, again, on the producer or the, or the um, director, is he'll give you leniency, okay. where you can bring your character to size. So you work on a character and you say, listen, but you said, my character doesn't want to say that. He wants to say something else. So again, oh, okay. let's, see. Nice. let's see if it works. So you can do your line, and if he's happy, you'll let it go. If it's not happy, it's okay, okay, let's stick to the script. So okay. you can deviate from it, but that's more, like I said, it's movies and yeah. it depends on the, on the producer that you work with. No, I can imagine. I mean, yet again, we go back to sport. It's the same with sport as well. We, we allow the players to, to voice opinions and whatever. Uh, obviously, there's more people involved there where it's only your line now and you yeah. need to be, feel comfortable. Whereas in rugby, Francois might come up with things and the other guys say, well, it's not going to work and like with the coaching, and sometimes they say they exactly. don't think that's going to work. Yeah. And I think it's important, Cus, uh, if you yes. if you move in that direction, you know, when I was in Ireland uh, with Dan van Sale and them, um, they spoke about the Irish way of putting game plans together and involving the players more than from a coaching yes. point of view. Where in South yes. Africa, it's more autocratic, if I can use that that word, similar to the acting mm -hmm. side now. You know, obviously. They are the ones that gives you the scripts and everything. So, yes, there's exactly, a guideline. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's nice what Francois is saying now. It depends on the, what did you say, director? The producer. producer. Director. Um, if they are lenient where you can change it, because I can only see, assume. If you've got a nice coach, Jeff Harper, that we had. Yeah, um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, exactly what Mark says. Is if, if you've got a nice or a coach that will see your perspective in thing, and that's the same with the director. Is if the director sees your route where you go with your character and how you're building up to this whatever moment of your character, same with you. You build up to that trial. But obviously, trial. he's ultimately responsible for that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Class. So yes, yes, yes. If it's successful, then he gets the tick. If not, then. Oh, well, that's your coaches. You guys always so got their gratification, and we did all the hard work. Yeah, true. <laughs> Mark, Mark, if I can just get in, come in here quickly. Um, you guys were talking about the COVID and the effect of COVID and, and, and how it works. We had a discussion um, last night about 
the impact of COVID on people um, in general, um, where most people are now working from home um, and, and the frustration in working from home. Everybody thought that it's going to be so nice and it's going to be a lifelong journey. And now suddenly they find out that going to the, to the shops is a bit of an issue um, because they've been, been isolated for so long. Um, not because they've got COVID, but because of the work situation now. Um, we, we as rugby players and rugby administrators have been hampered in, in playing the game and, and officiating the game due to COVID. We couldn't play now for two years and it was a stop start and trying to go forward and it, it just never, it never happened. Okay. Now the coaches tried to, to get the system going where, where the players would work in bubbles and, and try and keep them apart. But I mean, playing rugby is, is a physical sport. You, you have to be in physical contact with your opponents and the rest of the guys. Francois, you spoke about being in the change room with the guys and the guys are talking to you. And it's, it's, it's very close contact. And the same with you now with the, with the acting as well. It's close contact. You're in, in those people's faces all the time. Mm -hmm. Now, going to, the, to the, the rugby tours that we had, the Lions tour, we, we had issues there with, with the bio-bubbles and the bubbles and the guys um, not allowed to go out, um, having all those stresses on them, sitting in hotel rooms and can't really move around and meet the fans. The fans can't get to the players. And in the um, United Rugby Championships, where our guys had to go over there and also live in these bubbles and the Springboks that went overseas now and were in those bubbles for, I think it was something like five months, four months, Correct. that they yeah. lived in a bubble going to down to Australia and New Zealand and then up to, to Europe. Um, those stresses, what do you think those stresses will do to our, our sport, first of all, uh, your career as, a, as an actor going forward now into 2022 and beyond, should it stay the way it is now? Look, the big thing is, if, especially when you work outside, let's take the acting side first. If you, if you do yeah. acting jobs and you work outside um, a coffee shop or something like that, you always get people coming around having a look. Now these people are veered away because fans is what makes or breaks anything. Sports, yes. being in sport or being in acting. So what we do is normally if we do uh, like an outside shot, like I'm saying or referring to is there's people standing around and they see you and they point to you, they want to meet you. You want to interact with them because yeah. you know those guys will talk to the next guy and the next guy, and that's how you, you, you get your fans, if you want to put it that way. Or you get people to, oh, what are you shooting? What is this you're doing? So you want to interact with that. Now yes. you don't have that anymore, which is hard. I mean, we did, we did more than in Blute, is we literally went out every night as a, a, a publicity gimmick to get people interested in what we're doing. I mean, we sat with Alta Stier, David Lowe, um, Stian Baum, myself, Sean Els. Um, sure, we had... Uh, Sean Connor from, from, from the UK. We had Yaku uh, Duplessis, all those people. It, it's big Afrikaans actors in the industry. Yes. And so we went out every night and the people seen them. So what are you guys doing here? No, we're doing a movie. Oh, what movie? No, Modern Blut. Oh, what's it about? No, it's Boer War, but it, it's, it's a rugby-themed movie. Oh, that sounds good. So that's how we started. No, you don't have it anymore. Now you're sitting in your hotel or whatever. You sit in your guest house. You can't go anywhere. You can't interact yes. with anyone. The only person you see is either your, your second AD or your AD or your cameraman to see on set or your co-host or your no, co-host, your, your co-actors if you want to run lines quickly. And that's yes. it. So it's hard. It's really, really hard. And I mean, taken in the rugby aspect, I can think for those guys, 
social is your thing. I mean, you play rugby 80, 90 minutes, you do your thing afterwards, and then you go out to meet fans. Now you can't do that. Yes. So I think if that prolongs, you are going to have an effect on the players itself because they're going to have like a sim, like a withdrawal symptom. You need the fans. You need to play for something. I mean, that's why I think the rugby in the UK right now with fans on the stage, mm -hmm. so stadiums, is much better than here. I think our, our team's going over there. It's literally going into a shell because they're not used to that anymore. Yes. But Gus, I, I agree 100% with, with Francois. Um, you know, if you, if you listen to our franchises that played in the United Rugby Championship now in the last the first four legs of, of the competition, they themselves said that we hadn't been playing, not even in full stadia, but with some sort of spectators in our stadia. So we yes. have become accustomed to not having fans, although they thrive on the day that they will have fans again. Yet they said that when they went overseas and they had the fans sitting there watching, they were scared as to how they would react to that. Because obviously the fans on that side yes. now would over, be overwhelming for the opposition and yeah. not for them. They wouldn't have. So we wouldn't have had that back. Although they thrive on that, and yeah. I agree with you 100%, um, it's a change in mindset now all of a sudden as well. And to go back to what Francois was saying about all the after the game where you interlink with the, with the, with the fans and you take selfies or whatever. I mean, Sia Kulisi, look at that guy. I mean, he's he's prime example of what the public and the players have missed over the last two years because he is forever going after the game, going to fans, taking selfies and signing autographs and that. And like yourself with the yeah. actors as well. I mean, more so if you do stage acting, um, obviously because you have that interaction. So it's exactly the same thing regardless of, of the sport or the industry that you're in. If, if you are in the public domain, it just makes life more difficult. And, I mean, if you look at the lines, you were talking about the lines when the lines came here. Initially, they said they didn't want to come to South Africa because there was no fans allowed. They want yes. to perform at that level, which is second to none to the World Cup, in front of fans. Otherwise, they don't want to come. Yeah, but that is, Mark. I mean, exactly what you're saying now. Is you, you're looking for reaction. You're looking for some, some sort of feedback or acceptance. I mean, who would score a try, an 80-meter try, and jump up and there's no fans? Yeah. Well, you can't well, even you throw, you can't even throw yeah, the ball to someone. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> an empty seat. Yeah. Back. Um, yeah. Or the ball boy sitting there. It's like, yeah, there's a ball. Uh, but now, same, as a, as a stage actor, you sit there, you want that feedback from audience. We tried one show, the exact same show we tried to do as a recording from, and we just we, we couldn't do it. Because you're waiting for that laugh. You, yeah. you, you literally, you, you've got your pauses so worked out yeah. where you're waiting for an audience member to go, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing. So now you just got to carry on. And it literally, it threw you off your mark. Yeah. That's interesting that he's saying that. Some of the stadia had, I think it was, I think it was in Europe, before they allowed their spectators to come back. They, I think it was Saracens, I can't remember now, but they actually had audio playing. Yes. When you score a trial, you kick a conversion. But I mean, it's, and then they had uh, posters of people sitting in the stands and whatever, mm -hmm. but it's still not the same. I mean, the, no, it's the, not the same. I do understand the same as in acting. When you're in the zone, you're in the zone. But as he now rightfully said, you still pick still up on that and you think, oh, okay, or you made a mistake. And they don't go, oh, you made a mistake. They're laughing because it might have been a funny thing or whatever. They think, oh, it's not too bad, especially when yeah, you're exactly. a youngster just starting. You know, mm -hmm. in your career, you've been acting for many years. I think you're still obviously nervous at times and yeah, you no, make mistakes. Course. But the youngster starting, you know, who wants to make your debut for the Springboks 
and there's no there's no there's spectators. No, yeah. There's no spectators. Yeah, and your family I mean, can't remember that. <laughs> but you know, the book the book I'm currently reading also talk about um, uh, Springbok tours through throughout the world, and the coaches then in in Jake White and and um, uh, Mayer and those. They actually use the fans as a as a motivator. Exactly. Going to certain like the House of Pain or going to Cardiff, uh, going to to Murrayfield. They use the fans as a motivator to those guys, telling that the Springboks that these guys are going to boo you. They're going to boo you, and it's going to be up to you now to stand up. And and they literally use that as motivators. Now you haven't got that. So first of all, the guy can't bring his his family or his his supporters with. And secondly, the coaches are now denied that that motivating factor to actually talk to their players. Yeah. That makes it difficult, and, and I agree. Yeah. And, you know, luckily, the world has moved on. Um, I think we've we've become too used to COVID, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I think that's part of our problem at the moment because, I mean, it's still rife. Um, but yes. luckily, we've learned. as we, You might remember when, when COVID started, no one could go anywhere. There was lockdown worldwide. No spectators. You weren't, sport wasn't allowed. I mean, all those, the variants are still here. Um, we've got the yes. new Omicron variant now that is more uh, potent than the others. As obviously not from a from a um, death point of view, but from a contagious point no. of view. Um, but they're all still here. Yet sport and acting and all of that has continued with obviously certain certain restrictions. And I think that is important because what one what yes. one mustn't forget, like an actor, like a sports professional sports person. That is your job. That is your career. If there's no sport, if there's no acting, these guys are, are workless. You know, they can't, they can't do anything. Yes, they need 100%. to sit home. And it's not good for the industry because obviously when you, when you do a movie, you get people going to the movie house to watch That's that movie. Tell. That's the lives and money. And, they, you know, it, it is a, it's a vicious circle and it's a sad one to be at. But one's just grateful that the world has moved on now and, and yes, they're putting they things have. in place where you can actually do it. You know, South Africa, from a rugby point of view, has just opened, well, before before we close now for Christmas, but I think the last two games and that, um, we've just opened where we could 2000, host 2,000 people. Yes. I don't know why 2,000, because the stadium is so big, <laughs> but you could bring in 2,000 people into into the stadium, you know. So we're getting there slowly but surely. Yeah, we are getting there. And Francois, you you alluded to, to rugby being a, a social sport. Actually, you most of the guys do it for the social part of it. Now, if you if you look at the the book that just been released, part of the areas um, that speaks about that speaks about the social side of it. Um, why people and and why rugby players in the mums and toti play the game, and it's purely because of that camaraderie, that Definitely. friendships, those those bonds that are being built. Mm. And and the social part of it, and COVID has denied that now in the last two years. Yeah, look, Casper, when I, I I took it back to when we well pre-COVID, let's talk pre-COVID. But yes. when when we played, I, I said to you guys, we were a bunch of eight to nine friends, because I, yes. like I said to you earlier, I was hijacked, so my rugby career came to an end. Uh, I couldn't play rugby anymore, so I, we moved back to Toti, and I used to sit next to the field watching these guys play, and at one stage. A good friend of mine, Jacques, said to me, but listen here, come play with us next year. I said, I can't play. I don't have arc. You know, I'm shot and hijacked. Well, I said, I can't. He says, man, we'll patch you up. You'll, you'll look like a little mattress or a silly ad, but you'll you'll make it. <laughs> so we started with the thirds and we played. And it, and all of, everybody played thirds. Myself, Jacques, Neil, and, and I'm, man, I'm names can go on. Everybody played. Um, walked off the field and everybody came to me and said, how's your arm? How's your arm? No, no, it's fine. I can do another one. So play another. And the more I started playing, the more I started believing in myself. 
Yes. But thanks to my friends. Because they yeah. started giving me believing, listening, you don't need this patches. You know, you don't need this thing. So the year yeah. after Mark said, okay, you guys play seconds. And then Mark and Jeff took over, and then they said, okay, you bunch up to first. Only because we didn't have players. Yeah, because he true. was an actor. <laughs> that's a truth. That's a truth. They didn't have. <laughs> so, and then from there, it, it literally, if it weren't for my friends or the camaraderie in Toti Club, we would never have reached the success we have. I mean, the first year we yes. were building under Mark and Jeff. The second year, we, we literally stumped our, our hurdle, which was Hillcrest, on our, our home field. I mean, Dwayne Wallace scored that try right at the end, and, and that literally became such a big part in my rugby career. Not even look, there, there was overseas games I can bring up that we played against London Irish. There was awesome moments, but it never comes to what we had at Toti on Toti Field with Dwayne Wallace scoring that winning try against Hillcrest. Yeah. And it just, I'm, you hear what I'm saying now? I'm, I've got goosebumps. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it, it, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it was that moment in time where literally all of us stood up. What was it? 17, 17 guys stood up and said, right, now we are the first team of Toti and now we're putting this forward. And the yeah. social aspect became so much better because everything we did, we did together. If, if after a game, people went to the pub down the corner, everybody went to the pub. If it was a, a function or after practice, everybody stayed after practice to have a drink. So it, it literally came to a point where it was more a social thing and friends and you play every Saturday in and out. I mean, we got, I got the memory of my, my Facebook this week where we stumped Cockstad 110 mil. Yeah. And Cox said that year was like also up and coming. They were literally the the oh, team to watch out for. Mm. And Toti stumped them at Toti 110 0. Gus, you know what is important as well off air? Uh, Francois and I were speaking about, and I'm not going to go into clubs now specifically, but for his sins, he also started coaching in the Cape. Um, <laughs> yes. And this topic, this specific yeah, yeah, topic yeah. came up. So when we're talking about this topic, I'm referring to what we're talking about now in the sense of camaraderie and team spirit yes. and having drinks together and fines together and so forth. Whereas at that specific club, it was basically a no-no. So if you go worldwide, I think obviously coaching plays, plays a massive part in all teams. I think your player depth and quality plays a massive part in all teams. But yes. I think the social part, the family part, the caring part, um, Francois is not well today. Mates phone him, hey, you weren't at training, what's wrong? Do you need mm -hmm. something? Afterwards, we have drinks or whatever the case might be. If that part isn't part of your rugby setup or your sporting setup, sure. you won't play for each other because that family bond isn't there. It's the same as yes. your household. If there's, if there's disruptions in your household, the mechanics aren't working nicely, things happen. So sporting, yeah. similar to acting, no, I'm assuming, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I can just imagine... Um, in general life, you and I don't like each other. So let's just say you and I don't <laughs> like each other. Now we need to act together. And there are certain things that need to happen. That click yeah, yeah, isn't there. Is, it's, yes. it's, it's out, you know, it's out of sync. So, so Francois is a 10 or 13 or 12 and I'm a 10. Um, if he's a 12, all the moves that I'm going to call is to skip 12 because yeah, I don't yeah. like him. So ultimately, you shoot the team in the foot, you shoot your goal in the foot, only because there's something, and that's why in a professional setup like mm -hmm. yourselves, um, if there's an issue, then obviously you need to cut that out and work around it to make a success. No, look, in the, in, the, in the acting side, there's there's lots, and I mean loads, of, of tension, especially if actors comes together. Um, if you walk into, let's let's just, a, a casting or audition, I walk into a Niels van Jarsveld and all those big guys, Greg Crick, uh, you walk into a room and you think to yourself, again, I'm out of my depth here. Why do these guys are literally, they've been acting since they were yay high. So again, you give your best. So at one stage you get to the set. Now let's say, for instance, he gets the main part and I get the, the, the supporting cast. You feel a little bit of, you know, but why did he get it? 
One, I get it. So you yeah. don't that you like Mark says now you lose that chemistry on set, and we did have that at one of the, the the shows we did, where the chemistry just never worked between the actors. It was a guy and a woman, and they just they that's, had a massive fight. That it didn't work. No, it was just it, they had such a mad thing off set, and then they had to act together as a husband and wife, and it just oh, didn't work. Yeah. Until they got sat down and said, "Listen, here, sort your differences out. We'll give you guys a break for a month." Go away, come back, and then we'll see if we can do this. But guys, just talking on that quickly, I know we're running out of time too. Um, you know, there's, there's certain shows that you obviously watch on TV and some South African yes. shows and that where the actors in real mm. life are husband and wife. Mm. Okay, And then in the show, same, same show, they're not mm. husband and wife. And let's say it's my wife now in real life, and I'm acting and I am the detective, but my mm. wife is actually his wife in the, in the set. Right, so now you're talking about that. So that on your side, on the acting side, obviously the professionalism has to come out here because now all of a sudden you're there and you see they're cuddling and they kiss and whatever the case might be. You need to be so professional that emotionally you cut off from that. And I don't think a rugby player can do that. You can't pretend to be an eight when you're actually at 15. Imagine if I'm a coach and my wife is there and she has to kiss this guy. No, it's, it's, it's true what Mark says. It, literally, it just comes down to, to professionalism. I mean, I'm sitting with, no. with loads of friends in the industry where it happens now. There's a there's a, a soap running now on CakeNet where literally my friend, the one guy, is married to someone else and his wife is fondling with someone else. Yeah. And you've got to watch this this relationships develop on screen. And I asked him the one that's like, listen, yeah, dude, how do you do this? He says, well... That's where you come in, you walk on set and you just cut yourself off and then you know more who you are. You are the actor. You are that character. That's that's who you stand and portray for. But, Gus, just on this quickly, so you're talking this now. So we speak often about rugby players doing what they love, and I include administrators, coaches, and whatever. I mean, if you look at myself, I am basically at the club 24-7 doing what I love. We forget that our loved ones stay at home. We forget yes. that, and we often say, you can't come to fines because your wife is a bit uh, uptight <laughs> today or whatever the case might be. So go acting. I mean, that's even worse. Now, you look at an actor, look at your wife. Now you are on stage. Now you have to kiss another girl because that's part of your job. One forgets what our spouses need to go through because she herself is not an actor now. No, no, no. no she no, needs no. to say, well, wait a minute. This mm -hmm. is the profession. This is how I need to do it. Whereas at rugby, we just tell our wives to stay at home. They don't come back to it. But I mean, yeah, that's something they need to do. That's what they get paid for, you know. So I'll leave it there. Um, but no, I take my attention to the ladies. Let's see one there, Mark. This is the one for, for definitely a, a different day. No, I understand. That's why I say, you know, we, we're quick to say we want to get away, we want to get away. But if it isn't for the women in our lives and in the acting side yeah. now for the men, because they men, I think the men are even worse than the women. If they have to, oh. if they have to act, and their husbands aren't actors, and they don't understand, yeah. and that it can just cause yeah. unnecessary. No, well, I think it's the same <laughs> both ways. Rugby or acting is they know this is your industry, but the rugby so, you so don't they kiss each other. No, well, yeah, depends. Uh, yeah. <laughs> depends if you just want the title. Yeah, it depends. It depends. <laughs> I, I saw some Springboks kissing each other. I thought myself, oh, on the phone, though. <laughs> yeah, no, it's still Mark kisses a kiss. So no, I think it's, it, it comes with the profession. So the wife knows it, it's. Um, we had this discussion. I'm going to be honest with you. So I said to him, what, what would you do if I get a part as the husband in, in a part, you know, and I've got a family to look after? Yeah. And she says to me, well, it all depends to what extent. Yeah. Uh, so, which is fine, but I know my, my, my 
boundaries as well. Yeah, obviously. And um, you'll never do something intentionally to yeah. go further. I mean, you do whatever the part asks of you. Yeah, but even if there's no intention, you still no, physically still. have to kiss or whatever. You know, no, the problem, remember, you know where the problem comes then, in here? If you're a better father <laughs> and husband in that movie, you yeah. at home, then you're in trouble. Well, then you can tell it's scripted. So, yeah. Gentlemen, we're running out of time here. Thank you very, very much. Yeah. Francois, thanks for your time. Thanks mm. for your input here. It was really a pleasure listening to you. No, thank really you guys. appreciate it. Thanks, Casper. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Yes, you know, I, I, need, to, I need to admit, you know, off air, Cas and I were talking about now we've got an actor in studio. It's not the same because normally we bring in all of these rugby guys. Um, but I can tell you why this was probably on personal personal level. And yes, maybe it's because I know Francois as well, but this was one of my one of my nicer interviews and nice because we can talk in general. Yeah. And <laughs> what's important here is you can take life and bring it into the rugby sphere, yes. and you see there's no difference anywhere else as long as you stay uh, professional. And what is obvious with, with Francois and the acting side um, is the passion that is there. So come back to yes. sport, come back to rugby. If that passion isn't there, sooner become a coach. Yep, definitely. 100%. You should not Thank you very coach. much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Always nice, uh, always nice chatting with you, and enjoy your holiday. And to Francois as well, thanks for joining us while you're on holiday. Um, yes. Toti will not be the same when you leave. No, nope. so, um, <laughs> all lined up. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, I just want to wish our viewers a very happy new year and may 2022 be an absolute blessed year for you all. For myself, Casper Els and Mark Cameron, have a blessed 2022.